Welcome to the T-Hunt Bobcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. And I'm Chris. Wow, his voice is double as deep as ours. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Speak for, your, speak for yourself. I didn't want my voice to be high, so I went, I went in low. This is crazy. <laughs> Leland, we have someone on our show who has testosterone. Like a normal amount. Oh my goodness. Wow, well, you know what? This is basically the epitome of nepotism, right? I guess. We're bringing on my brother. He's younger than me, but <laughs> twice the man I am, apparently. So to be to be a guest on the T.I. podcast, you either have to be a sibling or sleep with one of the hosts. Those are the only two ways. That is true. And so I've, do- I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marty. God rest his soul. Oh, Marty. Actually, you know what? The last episode I listened to of the podcast was the one where you seanced in Marty. I really only listen to it when there's a special guest, so... Uh, we, <laughs> didn't we seance him in a couple times, I think? Uh, well, we did it for Halloween, right? Phasmophobia, yeah. yeah, that one. Oh, that was a good one. Um, Yeah, so welcome, brother. Uh, My brother, Chris. And uh, he does a lot of gaming. We're going to get into some cool gaming shit, uh, touch on uh, esports and stuff like that. Maybe touch on the fact, I remember I taught the boy, like, like uh, what is it, Counter-Strike 1.6. And then I played one one clan match ever, and you took over and became semi-pro. So, (laughs) yeah, something like that. Something like that. I had to be competitive. That's right, because I ain't. So I'm I'm just the uh, pussy pushover. Anyways, welcome to the podcast, and uh, let's head into the banter section. Uh, Leland, as always, you're impeccably prepared. And what do you Uh, have for banter today? I have two banters. I'll wrap them in you one. You have First half banter. a year's banter. I know. I'm shooting the wad for 2021 already. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have been playing... Uh, I mean, I haven't been playing a lot of, but I've been playing recently quite a bit of Call of Duty Warzone. It is my first foray into uh, the Battle Royale kind of game. I've Actually, I've never... Like, I didn't play any of, like, PUBG or anything, and I'm, like, not... What Fortnite's Battle Royale too, isn't that? I don't know. But uh, some of the uh, other uh, members of the Incursible Party podcast, which I'm the Dungeon Master for, uh, play it quite a bit with some of their friends. And they're like, well, I mean, it's free to play anyways. You just have to download the like 100 gig full version (laughs) of Call of Duty Modern Warfare to be able to get access to it. But (laughs) uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I hate to say that I'm digging it. I usually kind of turn my nose up at Call of Duty or have in the the number of uh, years. Um, I think the last one I played was Modern Warfare 2. Like, Ghost Marty and I played that a bit online, and that was in, like, when was that? uh, 2012-ish, maybe? I don't even know. Maybe even earlier. Yesterday, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I mean, you'd think. Well, it's good that you finally got onto a, uh, a BR. I guess if you're addicted to factorial for a couple of years, you surfaced and uh, BRs are <laughs> taking quite a bit of popularity. Don't mention well, fa- factorial is my other piece of banter because <laughs> I have oh, started shocker. playing again. No, is, it, is it for real? Is yeah, it, it was. I, I was just going to talk about factorial oh. again. <laughs> but no, okay, okay, but but warzone, warzone though, like um. I'm shitty. I'm fucking terrible at it. I'm playing on the PS4. It's dope because it's cross-platform, which is sweet. That's always great. I suck so fucking bad at it, though. 
I've placed, usually I place like in the 30s, place top 20 a couple times, that's it. In the top 10 once, like I'm, I'm not great. And really that like ninth place I got was because I saw like two dudes until the very end. Like I just got lucky and I saw nobody. I'm just running around, you know, avoid a few sniper shots. But other than that, you're just ducking into buildings and, and running away. <laughs> Is, isn't that how you like would win occasionally at Bomberman on TurboGrafx? Five player Bomberman? Yeah, you just hide out much. and let everybody else blow themselves up and then yep, you yep. sneak in? That's about that's your about it. Strategy. I'm trying to do it. That, that is pretty cool. How uh, how are you in the gulag? Is the real question. I'm actually pretty decent in the gulag. Hey, uh, let's go. I'm best with just the fisticuffs. Okay. <laughs> I'm better. I'm better with my fists and a pistol than with 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 a rifle. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> have you heard the gulag song yet? That guy who. No. Oh, I'll link it to you later. Okay. What the <laughs> maybe, you, the gulag? maybe you can edit in a piece. Maybe the Gulag movie uh, is so so. You drop in right. You, you all hundred like fifty players drop in through across the map as the the plane flies and you parachute in. And if you die, you go to the Gulag. Like the first time you die, you go to the Gulag, and then you have a head to head match with one other person that's been killed, and then you get redeployed if you win. Otherwise, it's over. If you're playing single, but if you're playing a team, your teammates can buy you back. With m- money found in the game, but uh, I've, the most I played is just singles, so I, I have nobody to buy me back. It's just like real life. It's just like real life. I had a really sick run that didn't end well, but it started great. I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna fucking be aggressive and parachute in with like three other dudes and just shoot, get them with my pistol before they get good guns, which worked. We like landed on the roof of a hospital. I was chasing a guy. He jumped over the roof. I followed him. I'm falling on him. I kill him as I fall on him. Then another guy jumps down and I kill him, take his rifle into the building, take out a third guy, and then I fucking get destroyed. And that's you, were, you were being a Chad. That's what they call it nowadays. You were being a Chad. Oh, okay. If, you, if you're going in hard, you're a Chad. If you're playing like a bitch, you're a Timmy. Well, I'm usually Timmy. it's usually a Timmy. Yeah, usually I'm a, I'm a Timmy. <laughs> Leland the Chad. <laughs> that's that's about it. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Well, there's your banter. Uh, my brother? You know, my uh, my banter I brought was more personal about our backgrounds, but I don't know if we want to like uh, have a segment to talk about that or if you want to like edit in something like that. Do we need to like bring a therapist in? <laughs> no, no, I was going to talk about like, like, you know, how we all met and stuff, how we're all brothers. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do that fine. We'll we'll do my shitty banter, then we'll get to that, because that's actually yeah, yeah. emotional and deep. Okay, so the first one nobody's going to care about. Um, Christopher Plummer died this week. Very famous actor. Oldest winner, I think, ever of the Oscar. Um, famous for The Sound of Music. He played a really good Klingon in Star Trek VI. The Klingon that famously quotes uh, Shakespeare all the time, like, to be or not to be, as proton torpedoes are flying around. So... Um, Christopher Plummer really liked him, liked him in a bunch of movies I grew up with, like Battle of Britain and stuff. Nobody knows, but I, I wanted to mention that. Um, the other thing I've got is 
surprise, surprise, or maybe not, um, the new Bond movie, the Uncharted movie, and Ghostbusters starring, like, whatever, half the kids from Stranger Things are now delayed. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you wonder what's going to happen with these movies. Like, what? Are they going to delay a movie three years until theaters are open? Like, okay, I don't know. I, I just dropped the movie for a fucking, like, 20, 25 bucks. You own it. I'd buy James Bond for 20 or 25 bucks digitally. Yeah. Is it rocket science? Just, just get it out there. Well, I mean, we've talked about this lots of times before. Like, you can always just do a theatrical, do a theatrical release whenever the hell you want. Right? Like, yeah. one, the the uh, industry is going to need that bump anyways. So, sure, make studios can make their money off of digital sales right now if they want. And then when, when theaters are, are back to being nearly full capacity, they can prop the theaters up by re-releasing these movies into into the big screen. Like, why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. It's li- What does it cost them to do that? Other than, I suppose, other than, I guess, it, it, taking up... Uh, slots from the same studio, like from their own studio, like maybe it's a little bit like cannibalizing their yeah. own things. If they're already making, they you know they have a certain number of movies slated, projected for like this uh, X amount of years. I guess they could be just cannibalizing themselves a little bit. Yeah, you know it has been a uh, a pretty weak year for movies in general, and now I think I've lowered my expectations to movies. So now there's like COVID ratings on them. So if I see a movie on Netflix that's like okay and entertaining <laughs> enough. You give it like a COVID 8 out of 10, but, you know, because you're not comparing <laughs> it to these big blockbusters because yeah. none of them are being released. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It is tough. So we'll see where it goes. But I mean, there's a bunch of movies like I wanted to see really bad last year. Top Gun. Uh, we mentioned on the podcast before Top Gun 2, Dune. Yeah, I'd love to see. Oh, man, I'd love to see Top Gun in theaters, but I would totally watch Dune on streaming i don't think it's that important to see uh in theaters so yeah that's all i got so uh brother why don't you uh bring up your your stories about how we met and what shit we we did together well yeah when i when i read the piece about uh bring a piece of banter i was thinking i didn't read that <laughs> the bottom one it said uh, about pop culture so uh there was clearly a miss <laughs> there but no I just wanted to chat about, you know, when we say we're all brothers here and we, we look back to when uh, when me and Ma- uh, Moby first met, obviously, was uh, at birth. But then, uh... <laughs> Our mother's <laughs> vagina! That was where we first... Me and, Mo- me and Moby moved to a new neighborhood and there was this weird kid that used to rollerblade out front of our house and uh, ended up being Leland. And I remember, like, meeting Leland and then there's this gray area... And then all of a sudden, we're best friends and brothers for life. Like, I don't remember, like, getting to know him. I just remember it being, there he is, and now we're best friends. Yeah, that's that's actually so true. It was like, I mean, obviously, it was through the, the, the ye old Canadia pastime of street hockey, of course. However, every child of the 90s. Uh, grew up <laughs> and made friends <laughs> in Canada. We, we played... I mean, I'd say it was at least eight or nine months of the year. Like, dead of winter, we didn't play much. But eight or nine months of the year, we'd play almost five days a week, if not five days oh, a week. Oh, yeah. It was every day after school, for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of hockey. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I remember playing hockey. I remember Marty. Marty was kind of always Marty from the beginning. He was just like, yeah, hey, guys. Okay, let's hang out. Let's be best friends. There was the lost one. 
That's what I shall call him on the show, the lost one. He was always very <laughs> brash. Um, there, there is a lost member of T-Hud listener. Also known as anti-listener. He has been mentioned. <laughs> he has been yes. called that in past episodes. That is, that is correct. Anti-listener. Um, the lost one. Moby and Leland, I actually do, I do have a good banter piece. Speaking right, I was of... going to say about how I met Leland, but we'll put that on pause. <laughs> yeah, no, say it, say it, go for it. No, I was just going to say, when I, when I met Leland, um, he was very quiet and dismissive and always looking away. And I only found out years later, because I guess I was socially inept, that he hated me for the first little bit. <laughs> found me incredibly annoying. Yeah, so Leland hates everyone. I I do generally hate everyone. I actually I don't even remember. I don't know why you annoyed me at first. I like I legit like we were all just fucking dumb kids. I legitimately can't remember or or like no, I don't know why. <laughs> Bubbly effervescence, perhaps something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't maybe something maybe like that, I, yeah. I was more uh, broody, pimply teenager. <laughs> Fighting your brother, robot style. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I very. They like, still go to fisticuffs once in a while. Very fondly remember those times. <laughs> I just remember I've got two exams at university today, or I can skip it to walk ten minutes to Cliff Park and build a snowman. <laughs> Leland and some random guy from his school. Weigh the options. Weigh the options. Okay, snowman. Is the, right, the right choice. <laughs> You know what? And, uh, Anyways. I know I know the viewers can't see, but uh, looking through the cams here, I don't think if you were to put the three of us in a room together and tell people to pick out the pair of brothers, I think it would be pretty even across the board. <laughs> like I don't I don't think anyone would be able to tell out of the three of us who were actually brothers because we all look pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all uh, middle-aged white men. <laughs> <Close>. <laughs> Anyways, I, I do have a, a, a quick banter piece. Um, I was watching an Amazon Prime original the other day. It was released on February 5th called Greenland. It's a new sort of uh, uh, comet apocalypse type movie. And this guy pops up on screen about halfway through the movie, one of the actors. And the actor is Scott Glenn. Moby, I don't know if you know who yes, that is. Yes, I love Scott Glenn. So I'm watching. And I'm like, I recognize that guy. He's quite a, He's quite a bit older now. I think he's in his 80s. And I instantly recognized them from Backdraft. Backdraft, yeah. Which is a movie that we obviously used to watch together. Um, he was Axe in the, in Backdraft. So as, as soon as I saw him on screen, he was uh, the father of the uh, the main characters. Father-in-law of the main characters. So it was pretty cool to see him still acting. I haven't seen him in a while. But yeah, it was a good throwback to Backdraft. <laughs> That's awesome. The, fir- the first Google search... Or in one of the tops, the, one of those pictures is him holding a fucking giant knife without a shirt. <laughs> and it's like a GQ. It looks like a GQ article. Scott Glenn is a 75-year-old knife-fighting, spear-fishing madman. <laughs> Man to look up to. Man to look up to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I think this guy played Stick in the Netflix Daredevil uh, series. And you know what? I've been... I've been watching netflix for a while and now we've kind of transitioned over to amazon prime amazon prime seems to be hitting a little harder than netflix right now i don't know is uh is netflix a thing of the past netflix sucks man i honestly think amazon prime has always been like an underdog they've always i think they've had it uh one that i they like their algorithm blows or, or non-existent like they need to work on that obviously but i also think that like they don't have to 
push, push, push like Netflix does. They're fucking Amazon. They own everything. Bezos owns everything, so he doesn't give a fuck. But he doesn't own as much as Elon Musk. Well, okay, he's getting close though. He he no, didn't he overtake him? Maybe they uh, Elon Musk took overtook him. I don't know if he took him back yet. Oh, okay, okay, because but yeah, both of them are like two of the yeah, three Jeff, richest Jeff people. Jeff Bezos are... is now on second, and Elon Musk yeah, is yeah, first yeah, or something as of this last week. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Prime has always been pretty pretty decent, but it just feels like an afterthought to a lot of people. I wonder if that's shifting though. Totally. Well, you know, I, I think they have some good almost like blockbuster-ish type shows coming out. I know they're doing that Lord of the Rings prequel that's supposed to start this year or be released this year. Oh, you guys okay. heard much about that? No, 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 nothing. Apparently it's supposed to be like the new Game of Thrones, but it's like Lord of the Rings prequel thousands of years before the uh, the trilogy that we knew. Yeah, I heard they're just fucking throwing money at it. Like production values are going to be like Lord of the Rings movie quality. Like they're just throwing wow. money at this thing. Damn. So I've been looking forward to that. That comes out. I think that comes out later this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Netflix sucks. I I uh, almost should actually. I almost turned off my account yesterday, but um, there's some stuff on it that I watch because the girlfriend and I are into it. Um, but I definitely shut down my Disney Plus yesterday, my Curiosity Stream, like a bunch of these services I just don't use. Sportsnet now I turned off. Oh, you tried Curiosity, eh? I did, I did, yeah. You How know, was it? it got me there. Um, it wasn't who, who got bad. who brought the, you there? Who who got you to go? Uh, it. I think it was the history guy on YouTube, who's someone okay. I watch. Yeah, He's yeah. quite popular, the history guy, right? Um, and he had a promo for it. It's like high quality, high def documentaries, but it's often done by like French people. Like, there's French. They speak English, but it's like French accents. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're buying a lot of stuff from France. Uh, there's a lot of British stuff on there. It's okay. It's just, I don't use it when I have so many other services. We've talked about this. Like I only watch Disney plus for the star Wars stuff. Mandalorian's done. I'll just reactivate it when the Boba Fett series comes out. So, <laughs> yeah. um, as far as Sportsnet, Canucks suck. Yeah. Curiosity stream didn't, didn't use it at so, all. Ha- so, so, ha- I mean, how is hockey this season with the this now i mean canadian teams are only playing canadian teams is that boring no no the hockey itself is great um and it's not boring at all the canucks just happen to suck which listener are our local team if you're listening outside of vancouver (laughs) if you if if you're a canucks fan then you you know you're not really a fan yeah yeah as as my dad relentlessly texts me which i now ignore him for the first time in my life you know but saying (laughs) hey hey, your boys suck like okay Thank you. Is yeah, but when when they're winning, then it's uh, they're such a bandwagon team, though. Maybe it's just the city, but I really feel Could like be. the Canucks are the, such a bandwagon team. Yeah, our well, Could Canuck, Canucks fans aren't great. We we're very uh, bandwagon <laughs> fans as well. Like, yeah, we'll yeah, hype yeah. them up when uh, they're doing great, and when they're not, no one cares, and everyone's pissed off. Is that just NHL fans, or was that like? When the Grizz, when we had the Grizzlies, it was like, was their fan base like that? Like, what about like Vancouver Giants fans? Do they even care? Is there yeah, even enough? Maybe Vancouverites are just assholes. I don't know. Just they suck. The city sucks, anyways. <laughs> just that's Probably. why I don't go into the city. <laughs> Probably. I love Vancouver. I live in Vancouver. Yeah, I just my one of my favorite Canucks stories was just like I think I had a bottle of whiskey beside me because I didn't give a fuck. I was like graduated. This at is that how time, every one of your almost. stories starts. <laughs> Uh, anyways yes i had a bottle of whiskey i was watching the riots unfold and i'm getting texts like oh my fuck i'm there 
Matt, cars are burning, Matt. And so, you know, my mom, I was living at home at the time. She's like, where's Chris? I'm like, uh, well, Chris is, you know, he's uh, leaving the hockey game. Is he at the riots? Maybe. You! And then I remember she like, there's this door to our downstairs where I used to go. She slammed the door and she opened it. She's like, you tell him he's a moron, but, but not my words. You say that he's a moron. Then she slams the door. Then she opens it. She's like, you tell him to get out of there. It's so dangerous. And she slams the door, opens it again. She's like, and tell him he's going to be caught on camera. I'm like, just go. If anyone's going to escape, you know, fires and tickets and bullets at the end of the world, it's going to be my brother. So just go upstairs. and. It was pretty wild. I was down there. I was not participating in any sense of, uh, I was not participating at all, but I was just trying to get out of there. And there was, um, Riot guards standing in front of the Skytrain station, so we thought they weren't letting people in, so no one really knew where to go, but you could just walk by them and get on the Skytrain. But it looked really intimidating, so I think the crowds, like, weren't leaving, like, no one could really leave. And then they started tear gassing everything, and there's helicopters going all over, so the streets got smoky, and then you got choppers all around. It felt like you're at war or something. It was, it was pretty surreal. But, uh, we got out safe, thank God. Did. Did. I want to hear the full story sometime. So, uh, but yeah, boys, should we jump into our first real segment here? That actually was pretty decent yeah. banter. Hopefully, uh, a listener going. finds it entertaining. Uh, video game variety show. This one is called Esports OG Original Generation uh, because my brother was there quite early on in esports, and uh, kind of the reason to have him on the show is to just ask him about. Uh, you know, his experience with esports, watching it. I don't know if he participated. I don't. I don't know what the fuck you do these days. You married? You single? You homeless? Um, anyways, you really lose touch in the pandemic. It's really <laughs> sad. <laughs> Families just just completely lose track of each other. <laughs> yeah, we should catch up sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cut. I cut you out of my bubble early, so it's understandable. <laughs> Yeah, you you didn't make the that first round of six. There's no way. <laughs> no, I cut him out at fifty. <laughs> so pick fifty people you know. Bill Gates gave that TED talk three years ago, and I had to act. <laughs> uh, anyways, so Chris, what was your like? Okay, so you were early on, and and I remember you telling me about esports and all this stuff going on. I was like, yeah, whatever. Let's watch hockey. But like, what was your first experience with esports? What are some of your earliest memories? Wayne, Gre- Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey, right? That's the <laughs> OG esport. <laughs> that is the only esport <laughs> that matters. Yeah, no, um, you know what? It was actually uh, back when you used to hang out with uh, your friend Ben there. I'd watch you, you know, Moby and Ben would be playing and I'd be sitting there watching and uh, it looked pretty interesting and you joined a clan and kind of some organized uh, team at one point, but I'd I'd more so watch Ben and Ben played in this league called Cal, Cyber Athletics League. And he played a couple mods of Counter-Strike in there. And at the time we didn't have a computer that could handle it, but eventually we did. And I got a computer up and going and uh, one that had graphics on board enough to handle the game and started playing a lot. And uh, eventually built my own computer back with a, like a big CRT monitor that was maybe 45 hertz, so your frames per second were super bad, your internet connection was bad, but I started playing with these guys and uh, eventually found my way um, in Cal. That's, that was my goal, to get into Cal. And uh, it was sort of the first North American Counter-Strike League 
for Counter-Strike 1.6, was, which was the mainstream game at the time. This was about 2000, call it 4, 2005. And um, got into Cal, and I got good enough that I started working my way up there. And there's uh, about five divisions. Uh, the top division was called Invite, which was pro. There's only 10 pro teams in all of North America, and there's five players per team. So there's only 50 pros in North America. And I was in the league below that called Premier. So there's maybe about 30 teams. So I was within about 200 top-tier players in North America at one point. But back then, internet quality wasn't great. So you couldn't play people on the East Coast if you lived on the West Coast and vice versa. Because one of you would have to be connecting to a server and you'd be pinging too high. And if you were connecting in uh, Summer Central, you'd ping too high. So you, you had to keep it regional back then. So we played in these leagues. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was wild. I was, so I was probably the top 200 players in maybe the West Coast at one point. Right, wow. right, right. So, I mean, how does that compare to numbers now? Like, I mean, that's like big fish, small pond back then, right? It, that's exactly. It was a drop in the bucket. So back then, there wasn't a huge community of players. Um, there was a Pacific Northwest scene, which I land in quite a bit. And there was four dominant teams. And I was on one of these four teams. We'd always see each other at these lands in Seattle and Vancouver and stuff. And there was this um, global tournament called WCG, which was the World uh, Competitive Gaming Tournament or something like that. And we made the, the land finals uh, twice to go play the guys out east, uh, to go play in China. The One was hosted in China, the one that we were looking at going into. And we, we didn't win, obviously, so we didn't get to go play. Uh, but the other team from the Pacific Northwest did go, and they actually represented us or, or Canada and North America and China that year, and it was uh, it was pretty cool to all be a part of that. So, so that was the early days, small, um, and now obviously esports are are massive. I was at a Boston pizza, you know, before the pandemic, and they were playing Overwatch on the the TVs casually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So esports e- has become a pretty globally dominant thing over the last twenty years for sure. Have you noticed, because like, you're you're pretty damn skilled. I mean, you've been pl- you moved on from CS 1.6 to, I think, Source to now CSGO. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've literally, I hate to age you, but you're close to me. You probably have close to 20 years experience at Counter-Strike in some sort. And we may have talked about this like offline, but is it to the point like the competition from young people or people from overseas or just competition in general is like so fucking insane now? Like, did they blow you out of the water? You're still pretty good. I'm not that good. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not that good anymore. But you have, yeah, you have some of this talent coming up where it, it's taken pretty seriously in a lot of cultures now, um, being an esports athlete. I was looking up, uh, so, so I played a lot of Counter-Strike. I also played League of Legends, which is a, a MOBA. Same thing, 5 vs. 5, arena-based game. I played those two a lot, and uh, so some of the stats I'll be throwing out might be thrown from both games here, but... I know the average pro right now in kind of League of Legends, Counter-Strike, if you're a pro, the average salary is 400k a year. The average salary. And some guys Jesus. are getting paid over a million a year just from their organization. So at Cloud9 or one of these organizations will be paying them that salary. And then they get all their YouTube and Twitch and everything on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's becoming quite competitive. And yeah, you're, you're now seeing regions like League of Legends finals. Um, are all represented by regions. You have North America, Europe, China, Korea, uh, South America. Um, so these regions compete at the World Finals every year. And the Asian teams have been so dominant for the last four or five years that now the European teams and the uh, 
the North American organizations are coaching these players. They're paying them huge money to come overseas and play for like the North American orgs, you know, even though they're Korean players or European players. So now you're starting to see this globalization of, you have these teams full of players from all over the world who speak all different languages, having to learn to play with each other and these like super high skilled pros. And yeah, it's, it's become quite a wild scene. So, but I mean, that money though, it's pretty centralized, isn't it? I mean, if you compare it, of course the direct comparison is to, to like, you know, hockey, like a, a sports league, like an NHL or something, where if you look at North America, um, like the, the money is all over the place. And yeah, there's, of course, teams that don't make nearly as much money as other teams based on the populace and the fan bases and all that stuff. But like the money's spread out, like there's money to me, to me made spread out. Whereas if you, it, it seems to me that when you talk about esports, there's just a few select huge events that make a ton of money is that right like so i i don't know is it more a law the olympics as far as like the grand event that brings everybody in that doesn't happen nearly as frequently as like you would get you would get play from like a regular sports league yes yeah i I think it does because you have these leagues and these seasons that are ongoing that might be like a 12-week split where you know it's a 12-week mini season and then there might be another 12-week split. And then the teams who've accumulated the most points in those two seasons would then play again. Yes, yeah, sort of like this grandiose tournament that's hosted for like a weekend or a week. You know, a lot of the players would fly out. These would be big land tournaments. Like League of Legends had a couple stadiums booked for the last few years. They'd have like Imagine Dragons perform. And and yeah, it would, you're right. It would kind of funnel into these one big money events i don't know if the money in the viewership is there for these orgs like all year long i know a lot of people do watch uh and follow the, the pro scene quite a bit but you definitely have an insane viewer count in the in these big grandiose tournaments at the end of the season for example league of legends season one uh, which was in 2011 you had 200 people in a room watching the land tournament and 200,000 people online peak watching the tournament Compared to 2019, where they had to rent out, they rent out stadiums all over the world, um, you know, professional soccer or football stadiums like European stadiums, and you have peak viewers of like 45 million at any given time. Yeah, it's crazy. So, and that that's like a decade of growth. Yeah, that's exponential. That's nuts. Yeah, so the money's there, but you're right. It, it does come in kind of blips, I think. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know how long ago, maybe a number of years now, but you were talking about... Uh, attending like a, a, more, a more local, I don't know, what would you call them, like contest or what, I don't know. Just like a, a LAN event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if, uh, sure. Uh, and yeah, they, uh, what, I don't know if you recall what I'm talking about, if I'm, what I'm referencing. Yeah, it was actually, it was a, I'm pretty sure, it, no, it was League of Legends. League of Legends was here like two years ago. Okay. Two or three years ago. They came to Vancouver, yeah. And now wasn't that place like, it was a little disappointing compared to what you maybe thought it was. I, I didn't actually attend, and I wish I did. So that would have been, I think what they were doing at that time was they'd play different playoff games in stadiums all around, and then they had like the the North America, because North America hosted it that year, so they'd go to stadiums all over North America and play oh, okay. on on like the eight weeks leading up to the, the finals or the four weeks leading up to the finals, and then they hosted the finals like in Los Angeles or New York or something like that. So this was just right. one of, like, I, I don't think all the teams participated. It was like some of the teams that were playing on that weekend or that day, they came to Vancouver and rented out the stadium for the day, and you could go, and, and I didn't attend. I kind of regret it, but uh, 
But yeah, there there is passing to the city for the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's just it's crazy to see when you talk about how much it's grown. Yeah, I honestly thought it was a fad back in the day. I'm like, people aren't gonna watch video games like this in a stadium, you know? Those kids and their games. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, here it is. Yeah, well, what I was about to say is like on a continuation on that. One thing uh, we wanted to bring up was like um, how much fucking money you can make off this salaries, Twitch, social media. Like, do you have any sort of, like, facts on, like, what certain players can make? Yeah, I, I looked up some, and it was, you know, a lot of these streamers, a lot of these big streamers are making well well over a million bucks a year on their subs alone. Wow. So that's, Jesus. That's, that's subs. And then you take into account donations, and then you take account their professional org's salary. And if it's Twitch specifically, that's Twitch takes half of your sub money yes so that's also twitch making a million dollars on those people yeah then you have youtube and like i i don't know if anyone really knows a consolidated number for all of these uh mediums that they you know are, are making revenue off of but we're talking million it's just like our patreon <laughs> <laughs> well i mean twitch is like so so these these big events they're twitch stream they're streamed like specifically on twitch or is it some other type of is there some there's is there a an industry standard that they tend to use? League of Legends has done an amazing job of Riot, the company that has made the game, has created one single global league. All regions participate, so North America will participate within itself for nine months of the year, and then based on your accumulated points, you go out and play the other teams that kind of won in their regions, the European teams and the, you know, the best Chinese team, the best Korean teams. So League of Legends has like one unified league owned and operated by Riot. And yeah, the, the events happen once a year. There's this huge world event. And that's the only game I can think of that has really kept it in-house like that to keeping it to like one. And there, there really aren't too many leagues. There's sort of these like fringe amateur startup leagues on the side where teams will play each other that are kind of hosted through discord channels and stuff like that. And, you know, they're pretty hard to find and there's nothing really big, but yeah, there's just one league of legends league. Whereas counter-strike is quite a bit different. You have within North America, there's multiple leagues you can play in some of which are, you know, esteemed higher than others. And, and that happens throughout all the other regions in the world too. So there's multiple leagues and there isn't really one grand world finals. There's a lot of events that, um, you know, like Logitech might host a big event in September. And then two months later, DreamHack happens. Um, and another big event is, is hosted by another company. So teams more travel around and pick and choose what kind of lands they want to attend based on price pool and Right, of course, of course. So I don't really want to tangent all that much, but I did have a question for you. I don't know if you have an opinion on Riot Games as a company specifically. Is now do they have a reputation of being a, a decent company? <laughs> they should be called Riot Game. Not yes, Riot of Games. course. <laughs> but actually, that's technically not true if you count all games, because a, a number of years ago they actually put out a board game. A lot of their staff apparently uh, tabletop game fans they made a, a game called mechs vs minions it's like a programmable board it comes the box is fucking huge it's this long huge like coffin style box tons of plastic in that in that box and they put it out at like a 75 dollar price tag when they first dropped it on a box of plastic that should at least msrp for twice that 
So and, and they put it out there. It put, they put it out there because they wanted to make this something cool because they were fans of that types of games themselves, and they just wanted to put something out there. So obviously, I don't have any other interaction or any knowledge of the company other than that little event that they. <laughs> but it se- like that seems pretty cool to me. So I just I was curious if like the company itself has any type of reputation like that or anything. Yeah, you know, I'd actually never heard of that board game. The company it has a, a pretty good reputation. There was a blip where there was actually some uh, internal social stuff that was going on. And I think some of the female staff were being like mistreated. And it was a bit of a boys oh, club. Um, yeah. So that that unraveled a couple of years ago. And that was uh, like a bit of a scar on its history. But other than that, the company's been pretty good. Uh, they released Valorant recently, which is very focused. They're, they're, they're focused on creating another eSport. They're very involved with the patches and balancing the game and creating an arena for people to compete in. And it's actually siphoned out a lot of the pro Counter-Strike players have gone over to Valorant, kind of thinking that Valorant is going to be the next big thing. Counter-Strike's been around for 20, 25 years now. Um, Everyone wants something new. And so Valorant's sort of a crossover where it is a first-person shooter, but you also have kind of magical abilities that you can do. So it, it strings a game like League of Legends where it's a bit of a more ability based um, and then a first person shooter together and yeah they're, they're doing a great job trying to globalize that as well it's still in its infancy stages the game was just released i think last year uh spring of last year but but yeah so far it's been quite good so is that also an attempt uh to compete directly with overwatch i mean it sounds very overwatchy and like to compete with blizzard yes i would think so it is it is very much overwatchy it has a lot of the elements of that game so yeah, I'd say it is a direct uh, competitive Overwatch. Yeah, that's cool. I'd be curious on the numbers. I don't actually know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be play numbers very right now. curious on that too. There needs to be fucking competition, right? Like you need to. That's how both sides can can possibly grow and 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 become something greater, right? You need that. You need that competition. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you do. You need the competition, but esports is still an small enough that I don't think there could be like four different first person shooter esports at the top of the list and four different MOBAs and you know four different right. MMORPG or whatever yeah, like yeah, yeah. the like pie is only so big right? exactly right now the pie is only so big so you, you keep seeing like one or two shooters like really surface to the top and you have Dota and League of Legends that have kind of been at the top of the MOBAs for a while yeah but I mean like they feel at this point grandfathered in too right yes yeah you're right absolutely let's bring up the globalization of esports a bit i think you mentioned how like nowadays you'll play players in korea and china i'm guessing there's been explosion in asia maybe europe too what do you think yeah yeah definitely and it's uh it's quite interesting because each region sort of has its own uh i guess stereotypes that go with it and like quite honestly like north americans fall has fallen pretty far behind north america has fallen pretty far behind in in the race so like when League was first released, it was North America and Europe in the finals for the first couple seasons. And then very soon after, the Asian countries took over and, and just became insanely dominant. Korea being probably the most dominant. Uh, and I, I'm not super familiar with the culture there, but I know like what our stereotype is it's almost like robotic there. Like those guys play so hard and they're so calculated and focused on the game. Like... It's almost like I, I'm not sure what the personalities of the the pros there are when they're streaming and stuff like that. But in North America, we have this kind of like very fun, like the streamers are all dressing up, new cosplays, and it's like cool and a great thing to be a part of. 
there it feels like it's a lot more militant. It's like mm-hmm. if you're a pro, you're focused. I, I even heard rumors that um, a lot of these Korean guys sign contracts. They can't have girlfriends when they're on the pro team. It's like you, you pick your oh, priority. Wow. No distractions. Yeah. 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 And like, it's, it's like you're serious about it. And then it shows because then they show up to these world tournaments and people can't beat them. Like they, they make the other regions look like they're playing in a different division. I'm sure for a professional video game player, that's quite the commitment. No girlfriend. Well, <laughs> it, it, to me, it's very much akin to like that, again, a stereotype, regardless of how uh, factual it may or may not be. But like, I think of when I think of that, I, I correlate it to like, uh, like a Russian ballerina or, or that like that America versus Russia, you know, that that yes. mindset that you have of the Russians being very minds to like to the grindstone right and like you know baller russian ballerina like three years old learning to dance and like grinding 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 and like athletes grinding 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 that's what it kind of reminds me of yeah and so those i mean those regions right now seem to be having a lot i don't i don't know the numbers but they they have what i would say the most talented gamers coming out of those regions for sure well i mean would you say though from those regions that like it's spilled over to North America and is almost kind of having this cyclical effect. When you, when I, when, I mean, when you think of these, these regions, I mean, I immediately think of like Starcraft and stuff and I guess Dota too, it really, you know, like you say, these, these stereotype and these pictures you have of like rooms full of players playing like Starcraft or whatever, like three decades ago or however fucking long ago is it? I mean, was that happening in North America that long ago or is it like this spillover effect from its popularity, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, I honestly don't have the answer for that. You do have players here, and like, I, I don't want to talk shit about any player here. You have players here that are incredibly focused, like really hard grinders, and you see them work hard. And some of the pros here are like really, really talented. These, you know, up and coming kids and stuff like that. But there's also just this, this like sense of it almost feels like the the teams here aren't as serious, or the organizations here aren't as serious. It's you know they're they're glad to be a part of it and they play hard and stuff like that, but just not as hard. The you know the it's in the it's in the results every season. I mean, when you're you know say for example a Korean player, you're you're basically devoting your life for however long your contract is to play the game. Like the game is your obsession, it's your job. I mean, and I don't think a North American would do that. They'd go for vacations, they chill out, they take a couple of days off a week. Well, from what I understand, too, the players out there are a lot more publicly known, almost like celebrities. So it's like they, they have a job to perform. They, you know, their pride is on the line because there's a lot more people looking at them. Like they'll be on, you know, soda pop advertisements and stuff out there. Whereas if you ask the average person here, the average, you know, homeowner, who knows what age. But like if they knew many pro esports players, they probably couldn't name one. so i think there's like there's there's also cultural differences that really put the pressure on them to perform as well yeah yeah i mean obviously those contracts that are acceptable out there that wouldn't be here are are a direct result of of that culture surrounding these events kind of last point here i think but uh landing versus online and the future of esports your thoughts on that yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious about how the pandemic is going to change it, too, because obviously online has become so much bigger a thing. I don't know if lands are going to ever come back the way they maybe did at one point. And uh, basically, you've seen the globalization of esports 
mirror or uh, go parallel to the speed of the internet. The faster your connection, you can now play players from farther apart without both having disturbances or packet loss within your game, which just opens up the arena to more and more players, you know, where North America is such a big region. uh, Like I mentioned earlier, used to break it up west, central, and east because a player in Seattle couldn't play against a player in Florida. They're too far apart. And now you can with most games. When you log on to Modern Warfare, you you know you probably select your servers. There, there is a setting where you, I'm sure you could select your servers and be, do I want to connect to Chicago and Texas and New York and stuff like that? And you can play anywhere within the region now over such a huge land area. So you think about in Europe, Europeans can basically play with any other European. So there's big language barriers being broken there now and stuff like that can stretch all over to the Asia. So those guys can all be playing against each other now. They, that, that arena didn't exist, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And it's only getting faster and faster. I don't know, you know, what the plan is when everything goes fiber here, but will North America be able to log on and just play against China with a, you know, an undisturbed game in, in three, four, five years? Maybe not China, but Korea. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, the pandemic's changed a lot. And as we made adjustments, you're right. I mean... If you have hyper fast internet to the point that you don't need to be in person, maybe LANing just becomes a special, you know, thing that's done once in a while, almost like a novelty. It's like, oh, we're gonna get all these players in one room and connect the computers. Whereas before, I mean, that was the only way to have a proper connection. Exactly. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what that future looks like, but yeah, I'd imagine that um, you know, LANs are something that might die out a little bit. I I feel like. Twitch and these other mediums where you get to watch from your own computer chair. It's just, you know, so much more comfortable. I'd rather watch from my computer than probably go to the stadium half the time anyways. Yeah. Uh, and, and now you get that all the time. So yeah, it'd be curious to see. But yeah, I, I think lines are a thing of the past. They used to be huge um, and they still are quite big. Like every league would have a big line and there's a lot of hype surrounding it and stuff like that. And the community gets really involved. But but yeah, now for the most part, it's it's your viewers are people watching on Twitch when you when you stream these big events. And you can't you can't fit forty five million people into a stadium, so they maybe have whatever twenty five or thirty thousand there. But your most your viewership now is just online as well. Right. Uh, well, any final thoughts as we kind of close out the section here? Uh, one thing I was kind of as we were talking about, kind of thinking of again, comparing to like physical sports. What what is your opinion, both of you? I guess uh, I guess both of you. What is your opinion of <laughs> what is your opinion of the barrier to entry for an esport versus a physical sport? And maybe that obviously is very dependent on the physical sport, but maybe in general, because like that's I mean that is a, that is something that you could be conscious of, right? Uh, like you say, internet access is obviously a huge thing that's getting more and more. And you know, Elon's giving everybody internet now. With his, with his satellites. <laughs> so maybe we'll have whole new regions of esports gamer leagues in the next like five to ten years because yeah, of Elon. Who knows? <laughs> the Antarctica crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Chris, do you have a thought first of all or before I jump in? Yeah, the barriers of entry have obviously changed. For one, Everyone has internet connection now, so a lot of these young kids can get on and play like an eSport at any age, uh, and the coaching content is all online now as well. So you can access infinite information on how to play or drills to get better and stuff like that. So basically from your computer chair, you can now 
practice and learn the entire sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of physical sports that I guess offer that. You know, you usually need some sort of a soccer field or a basketball hoop or the right equipment to play. Whereas I guess your equipment in this case would be as long as your computer could handle the game, you can play. And most people, most homes, I'm sure, have a computer that can handle most of these games. Yeah, you know, I honestly think the barrier to entry for esports is almost higher in a way. I think that in general, when it comes to a physical sport, you you know, say I wanted to get back into soccer a lot or something like that. I could really train my body. I could get to a spot, you know, even at my age that, uh, you know, I, I could be pretty good out there, you know, if I tried. But like I played CSGO with you a little bit. I remember I was actually with Anti-Listener. This was years ago. I mean, him and I, the best we could do is stand by the same doorway every single game, spamming shotguns, and hope we might wing someone. It was that bad because it was like the moment we poked our head out of anywhere, we'd be headshotted. And so, like, there was such a high barrier to entry, I would never have the patience to learn enough. Okay, but what about the, what about, uh, you know, you follow that same track that is akin to you yeah you know getting getting like a scrum game together with some of your friends out on on a soccer pitch and kicking kicking getting a little footy action but (laughs) where where so where did those if you move up this channel and hierarchy within these two right as you're moving a parallel at what point does one hit uh the potential for monetary earnings versus the other and like how much more quickly right like do you do you hmm. feel Moby? Do you feel like you could would have a better chance at earning some type of money from getting into esports or becoming a soccer player? Well, I would say, <laughs> I would say esports. <laughs> I, would, I would say esports. Uh, you know, I I will rock Monopoly online before I can rock soccer professionally. <laughs> Well, you think about most sports, you need access to the arena. You need access to the ice rink or the basketball court or all these things. A lot of those are weather dependent. A lot of those cost money um, per hour. You have to rent them out and stuff like that. Think about esports. It's You can play a game. You can log on and play a game of Counter-Strike at any time during the day and get into a competitive game within minutes, almost instantly, at, at, at any time like like there's there's no time limit there's no weather stopping you there's very few bottlenecks as long as you have an internet connection and the computer that connects to it you can be practicing 24 7 whereas i don't think you could do that with a lot of sports right 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 yeah that makes sense even just to organize 10 players like how long can you and nine of your buddies hang out and practice basketball together right whereas you can log on and get you know grouped up with four players ready to go within 30 seconds and get into a game and start practicing that game well, I mean, I also don't think like at the lower levels for like a physical sport, there are the, those like, you know, you were talking about like the fragmenting leagues, like people just kind of branching out, making their own thing. Like, obviously, that's not going to necessarily be high tier play, but there's clearly the the uh, the opportunity to find like minded individuals at some of these lower levels for you to play with and train against and train up, whereas that seems way more difficult, obviously, compared to a physical sport. Finding a group of like-minded individuals that will, you know, at the drop of a hat, get on it and play, have a game with you to help improve each other kind of thing, too. 
Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. And, and you're so right with that. Like I've been in these discord channels for some of these fringe leagues and stuff and some of these teams and organizations. And these guys, like these young kids are organized. They have practice schedules they're, yeah, like you said, they're like-minded. They all want to get to the higher league. A lot of these leagues have, like I said, multiple divisions within them. So if you go, for example, with Counter-Strike and you want to play in a league in North America called ESEA, Esports Entertainment, you start at the bottom level. You kind of you can see the person's roster history. You can see what teams they participated in. You can see the player's stats of when they play in games solo. And you find guys who are sort of your level. There's like letter grades and stuff. So everything is is calculated um, there's data on all of your performance and people can see it and it's made public and you have to basically work your way up the ranks. You know, if, you, if you're the best player on your team, you maybe jump up a division and get on a, a lower class team in that division. If you outperform in that division, you get poached up to the next division. You can actually work your way up this ladder now. Uh, and the path is quite clear. Like if I was to go play municipal soccer, I don't really know what where I go from there into some Canadian league into some maybe North American league. And then you like, you, you go through all these hoops where a lot of these esports leagues, at least the big main ones is it's, you see the end point. You just have to get there. You know exactly what steps you need to take. You need to get through these, all these leagues and get this letter grade. And by the time you're at that point, if your, your stats are at this level, teams are going to start noticing you. Right. 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 So, so, okay. So one last question I had, I don't know. I don't mean to prolong the segment, but I do like, enjoy this. Um, you're 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 quite you're very athletic, Chris. You you do have some natural athletic prowess, and obviously, to be uh, like a professional athlete, thank you. You need some of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did someone say something? Did some some non-athlete say something? I, I can't go. <laughs> but, but so obviously, to to get to the highest tier of play, excuse me, Moby. Athletes are speaking. <laughs> You need to be endowed with a certain natural <laughs> ability. I am, I'm endowed with whatever you say. <laughs> I'm very endowed. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so how similar is that in esports? Like, do you have, do you, would you find yourself being naturally good at this type of like Twitch movement, like CS, uh, CS game, like gameplay? Or is it more of a grind? Yeah, mechanically, I wouldn't say I had some natural ability to be good. It was a grind in practice and doing drills with your mouse and being able to aim really, really well and like learn the mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you combine that with the person obviously has to have a competitive mindset where they're they're playing to get better every day, not simply playing to necessarily enjoy the game. It's practice. It's hard work. You know, you're frustrated when you're not performing it it feels bad to lose better than it feels to win. And you have these players who have that sort of drive. And I think that's, that's when you see those pro surfaces, they're willing to to practice the mechanics and every game has different mechanics based on, you know, what engine it was built on. And, um, you know, like a, a MOBA plays very differently than a first person shooter. So you got to learn the mechanics of the game and that's all just practice. But, but yeah, I think it was more a drive that, uh, that creates some of these pros for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. I like it. Awesome. Well, great segment. That was super cool. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So, all right, well, let's move on to Crazy About Cardboard. And which we're, we're just, Moby's titled this one Nostalgia Board. The next game from Parker Brothers. Where, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just going to fucking, kind of like we've been doing for the last hour, just shoot the shit, talk about some games that we played together. Maybe some games before 
Um, I really fully dived into like the 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 tabletop board game hobby, you know. Yeah, just kind of talk, just reminisce. Well, I correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't actually play it much with you guys, only a little bit. For I think I had another friend group at the time, God rest their souls. Um, and I didn't hang out with you guys a ton, but wasn't there a time where you would bring random girls to play Pictionary all the time? Is that recollection mostly correct? <laughs> we okay. played a lot of Pictionary. We started Monday Night Pictionary so that we could all play Pictionary. And yes, it turns out girls also enjoy girls. playing Pictionary. <laughs> and no, the, the premise was no one has anything to do on Monday nights. So we'll just start a Pictionary group in like high school and invite the chicks that we want to hang out with. And <laughs> it worked great. It's ready right, for I you. Was in high school back then. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing about high school girls i keep getting older they just stay the same age oh god <laughs> they just keep not drawing good <laughs> all right all right all right <laughs> yeah we, we definitely had some uh pretty competitive uh monday night pictionaries and uh it would get heated sometimes <laughs> yeah i remember uh i remember this one game i played that's not a circle a circle is not a square I remember this one game I played with my friend Rachel, and it was like, I, I drew like a semicircle, and she starts going, fennel. Is it fennel? Fennel. Is it Rachel? God damn it, it's not fennel. Like, I'm, all I've drawn is a line. Fennel. Fennel. I remember that was that was a round that stood out to me. The other one was my sister. My sister trying to draw a dog, and she's drawing these spikes on this, like, tail, and everyone's guessing dinosaurs. Everyone's like... Trotosaurus Rex, Stegosaurus, and everyone's trying to guess every dinosaur name they know. And we have a minute timer. There's eight of us guessing. The answer is dog. I'm like, how do we not get that? It's clearly a miscommunication. We, we lost that round. We didn't draw a dog in a minute. None of us got dog. We've named every dinosaur we could possibly think of. Uh, that's hilarious. That's funny, yeah. Man, oh, those man, are fucking good. the days. Holy shit. Do you God, guys remember? so long ago. Uh, and I'm, I know, Leland, this might offend you a little bit, but do you remember the only board game actually worth playing? It was called Back Off Buzzard. It was around in, like, the early 1990s. No, <laughs> what the fuck is this? That's a great game. There was this pyramid in the middle of the board and this buzzer, this electronic buzzer would, like, swoop around and you had talons. And if you picked up your piece, you had to go back to the beginning or you got some sort of penalty. <laughs> actually, no, you oh, didn't even do... You... It was, it was crazier than that, Chris. There was actually four pyramids around the outside. The middle was a volcano. So a little buzzer would go pick up your guy and drop him in the volcano. It was amazing. Yeah, it was quite a lot. Wow. That's like the golden age of those, like, electronic incorporated into your board game, right? Like uh, like uh, Dark Tower and, um, uh, like, Fireball Island and all that shit from, like, the 80s. Just oh, Siege. Uh, battleship. Electronic Battleship. Oh, I right, still have right. that. I got a, I bought a working one a few years ago. It's so good. It's just so loud. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, how loud is the speaker? <laughs> just, I need to like play it with blankets over. Moby, have you told the viewers about how you used to make board games? Um, no, actually, that's a really good idea. I didn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think we've ever talked about your Resident Evil board game. Yeah, the Resident Evil board game. I mean, that was a lot of fun to create. It basically was to fill a niche because I love Resident Evil, the remake from 2002, but there obviously was no board game version of it. And uh, so, yeah, I put it together with with just some cardboard, printed off a bunch of um, screenshots and pictures from the Internet for like the character cards and the weapons, stuff like that. 
I don't remember us playing it a ton, but I remember it was okay the few times we played it. Yeah, I remember I remember playing it one time and running into Lisa Trevor, and that's about all I remember. <laughs> I I actually, you know, Chris never played this, but I actually really like was Mobiasco, where I actually paid to get professional cards printed for an addition to Fiasco. We only ever played it once, but I thought it actually turned out pretty good. It was fun. Yeah, I think what we ended up, wasn't it like dueling pastures? Dueling pastures with churches. (laughs) And like they found lightsabers because of one of my cards and like a treasure chest. So they were lightsaber dueling. Yeah, I think the finale, someone drove a truck through one of the churches or something and (laughs) ended in a lightsaber battle. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Fiasco is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have almost memories. And I say that because... Uh, uh, almost memories of Drinkopoly. So, so clearly the name, <laughs> the the only game that name the, whose name changes halfway through from Drinkopoly to Drunkopoly. Eventually, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. the goal is to play it into, into to Drunkopoly. Where and what was it? Every hundred dollars you pay was a shot of eight percent beer. Lucky Force Eight. It it was something ruthless. The game didn't last more than maybe twenty five no, minutes. It was no. It was like a ticking time bomb that game. And and we didn't even play with a Monopoly board. We played with a Vancouver in the box version of Monopoly. Yeah, none of us just, owned Monopoly, so we had to use no. a, some knockoff bootleg version. <laughs> yeah, it's just Vancouver in a box with <laughs> places from the city of Vancouver instead of a Monopoly board. <laughs> And I mean, we, a hotel wasn't a hotel, it was a hospital, because that's where you're going to get your stomach yeah, pumped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and inevitably, though, because every, because I mean, we were like in our early 20s, everyone just wants to get shit-faced, that's why we're here, and that's why we gathered, <laughs> and brought the worst <laughs> fucking beer in this the world, Lucky Force 8. Yeah, this is why we have gathered here today, <laughs> chug this bong, beer bong, this Lucky Force 8. But inevitably, like the first round, someone would be like, no, I don't want this property. Instant bidding war. People immediately jump, yeah. jumping to to two shots of like rum, which would be which would equate to a thousand dollars a shot. Like yeah. two thousand dollars for this for, for, for Baltic of- Avenue or whatever yeah, exactly. it was. Like I was gonna <laughs> give it to me. Baltic Avenue. Baltic Avenue three thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We would outbid each other and just get so drunk so fast. I mean the alternative was a moldy beer bong. It's either you're you're drinking malt liquor through a moldy beer bong or you're you're getting Baltic. For two shots of whiskey. <laughs> for way too, for, too way overpriced of Baltic Avenue. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, it hurts laughing. I totally oh, forgot those bidding fuck. wars. That was the best part. And that was like the start and finish of the game. Yeah. <laughs> it totally was. was it, wouldn't you, Leland, like bid up the railroads like nobody's business? Nobody cared. I mean, I mean, like two hundred. Leland would be like two thousand for Pennsylvania Railroad. Yeah. Like, fucking take it, man. You got it, man. It's a railroad. <laughs> it's yours. Just take it. No, no, four thousand. Four. It's like it's yours. You've won it. <laughs> I think like base rent was always like a shot, like a hundred bucks, like a shot of beer, right? But then I think didn't we when we go past go, you don't collect two hundred dollars, you give out two shots to people. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that was true. You, but 
by that time, it was like giving out chump change. Two shots of beer oh, by the time we made it around the entire board. Do you know how much of like a quest that yeah, was? Yeah, when, when we're dealing with beer shots at hyperinflation, two shots isn't that much. <laughs> You know what? We just predicted the Vancouver housing market. That's all we were doing. That's right. <laughs> I'll take it. Bidding, bidding war. What, oh. what did, I'm trying to remember. Did we do anything with jail to get out of jail? Oh, shit. I don't even know. Jail is, uh, the, the, only, only... <laughs> is the only safe spot on the map. Send me to jail. Put me in the drunk tank. I'm immune in jail. Now, the, oh, this is memory. not necessarily, I mean, I guess you could call it a card game, but the only other, like, real vivid, terrible drinking game I remember us playing is Ride the Bus, and I don't even remember how to play it, <laughs> but I just remember Moby riding the bus, and it resulted in him chugging some type of high-proof alcohol. Like a, yeah, wasn't it like a communal cup? No, that's I think it was, we flipped through cards, oh, and, like, it would be the cumulative number of all these cards that yes. got flipped. Based on how bad you performed. Right. And that was the number of seconds you had to chug your drink, I think is what it was. I just remember Moby. Because <laughs> you, you, you knew you knew it was coming. So you knelt down in front of the toilet and you had to chug for like 39 seconds. Or something. He, he, knew, he knew it was coming that morning when he started day drinking to prep himself. <laughs> so that when it got to that point... And, so and you and you start riding the bus, Moby. And you're going and you're doing pretty well. And you get about halfway through and then you're like, nope. Drink comes down, you're in front of the toilet, your head turns to the right, and you throw up right next to the <laughs> open toilet. <laughs> Instead of in the fucking can. <laughs> Dude. Dude. I remember that. I do remember that. Oh. I remember, I think it was either that night or one of the other nights. I remember puking at like 5 a.m. in the bathroom downstairs, red coffee grounds. So I like destroyed some organ. And I'm like, is this too far? Am I making something of myself as a man? <laughs> Probably not. Jesus, man. I don't know how <laughs> how any of us came out of that, out of like that decade. I don't want to. I don't want to plug it too much here, and I know this is a bit of a tangent because beer beer pong isn't really a board game. But me and Leland were the beer pong champions at Marty's bachelor party. Just to uh, remind, that's very true. Everyone, that's that very true. <laughs> <laughs> this is turned into us talking about drinking games now. <laughs> it's well, welcome to the board games that we played for most of our adult lives. <laughs> we just turned them into board games. Yeah. It's, Oh fuck! Oh, it's hard to even pick other games after that. Because um, I, I want to like, how do I bring up Lords of Vegas? Which is like, yeah, how do you points. how do you so segue into Trump. Lords of Vegas? I don't know. We just did, I guess. <laughs> Look, I fucking love Lords of Vegas. Everybody listening to the show knows I love Lords of Vegas. It's fucking like the best game ever. It's always in my top five board games. Like, how do you not love Lords of Vegas? I concur with you completely. I, that out of all the games you've shown me, and you show me quite a handful, when I talk to people outside of our group about like fun board games to play, I always say we need to play Lords of Vegas. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's like one of the top games. It circles back, and I just like the dynamics and uh, you know the mechanics of the game, and it's it's a blast. It's got a per- it's perfect amount of randomness. I mean, you can you can give yourself more randomness if you want. You can pay for randomness if you want. Just oh man, when you when you gamble like thirty million. And steal thirty million from somebody's casino. 
It's just fucking glorious. Well, so Moby's good. so risk adverse that I have to go gamble at his casino for to ha- for him to have a chance of losing money. He's not going to go out there and gamble. I got to go take take it from him. Better safe than sorry, baby. Better safe. No, than you got to risk it all. You got to go big every turn. Otherwise, how do you get shit done? Yeah. You need that money. You got to double down. If you lose, you, you double, double down on that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't get this game. It's like just throwing money at each other, you know, trying to try to bet. And I'm like, but I, I have my $5,000. I'm done. Thank you, sir. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. It's like, yeah, uh, that's why you have like one one floor casino. I have a safe and fun- functioning casino on the strip. It's bringing in, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, revenue there. You're happy. <laughs> Very modest. But I make a living. Leland's taking over city Leland blocks. Building Leland's building skyscrapers. <laughs> well, Moby's got his one little hut. Yeah. Living hey, in my shadow. It's a beautiful hut. That's a good hut. It's, it's a good hut. It's cool. It's Vegas. It needs to be cool. There's, there's too much sunlight. We're happy to have your sky. And then Moby plays his second every game because everyone else bet themselves out of all the money. The casino always wins. <laughs> <and> That's true. <laughs> Consistent. One guy took all the money and Moby's sitting there in second place. <laughs> Consistently hey, second you know place. What? <laughs> as long as I podium. As long as I podium. Hey, I, I mean, there's something to be said about that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, when all of this shit is over with this pandemic, um, any board games you guys are really happy to play together, specifically us, again? I fucking want to play Heroescape, man. Yeah, I want to play some goddamn Heroescape. Be down. You haven't set that up for a while now, I guess. I know. I, I don't haven't. remember the last time I played it. Like, legitimately, don't remember it. Do you still still have all the? I still have everything. Yeah, yeah, I got it all. Cool. Didn't get rid of any of it. So, I, in fact, I got a, some new shit or new okay. new oh, old did, stuff. Are they still stuff. expanding the game and adding no, more to it? No, 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 no. It's done. Actually, there's uh, there's a game called uh, Unmatched right now, which is kind of like the a soft successor to HeroScape. The Wizards tried to make uh, a Magic the Gathering game that was like it. Like it very clearly used like recycled terrain even from it. It didn't really take off. It kind of failed. Um, I even forget. I forget what the fuck it was called. It was like something Planeswalker or something or Arena or I don't know. But there's a really cool one called Match. It's it's like a, I think it's only two player. But they have like anybody, any pairing like you could play like Bruce Lee versus Bigfoot if you fucking want. Like they have any like pop culture icon you can think of. It seems like they've made a, made a matchup for it. So it seems really cool. It seems really fun. I would actually really di- dig uh, getting it and, and trying it. Now with Heroescape, I, I don't re- really remember fully, but you can kind of build whatever world you want with all the pieces, correct? Yeah, it's like a modular terrain, yeah. Is there a lot of like modular terrain games out there like as big as Heroescape? Or is Heroescape the one that you liked because it was the only one that exists? Uh, at the time, when it was still being produced, it was the only thing I knew. So I think it, it, it tried to bridge a gap, I think, between like a game like uh, Warhammer or something like that, right? Like, like a, a tabletop miniatures game where you would have your own terrain and you could set up your own terrain and then bridge that gap with like an actual like board game i guess i don't know because it's really strange i guess maybe it was more just like a different take on a miniature a tabletop miniatures game whereas you a little making it more accessible because there actually is a basic rule set to each of the characters you could play 
because I think it's like it was at the time like ages eight and up or something. So it's I think it was meant to be more uh, more accessible and more more versatile, but still can give older players and more mature players uh, that that depth that like a, a miniature a tactical miniatures game could give you. Also, it was just such a novelty I think that this like weird terrain like it yeah. came in you know hex base which is great. Uh, a lot of people prefer hex over grid when it comes to tactical miniature stuff but yeah it just seemed like it was like a novelty at the time but again i i didn't really know better at the time so uh, maybe there were more that out there like it that just like failed even harder than Her- heroescape did that i just don't know about yeah i mean i i want to play that sheriff of nottingham for some reason again um cards against yeah, humanity good. just like party games i have this craving for party games just because i haven't seen you guys so social Whatever that one, spy, little eyes, close your eyes, you little spy. <laughs> Resistance. <laughs> Resistance, yeah. So Leland talks. He always he always runs the game, and he's just talks with this weird monotone. Well, uh, I made a uh, yeah. We we that was one of the first games I picked up, and at the time we played it so much, and I didn't I didn't I didn't just play it with you. I had uh, like uh, listener Riley and and this Riley? other group of yeah. people. We played it so much, I just made a recording for the setup of the game to f- reveal the spies to each other. <laughs> so that's was part of the recording of me saying the little spies, the little eyes. Open your eyes. <laughs> All the spies with the little eyes, close your eyes. <laughs> so stupid. It was awesome. Stupid, but it was That was awesome. a classic. Yeah. Leland, what's the game uh, you showed me with the, the pandas and the bamboo stalks? Takanoko. That was a That's fun a game. Dope I don't really game. remember what. I, I just remember having fun playing it. I don't really remember yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah. I just that's a, I really that's enjoyed a fun, it. like cute little game. Actually, that's a. I think that's a pretty underrated game. That's a really good, good game. It's actually pretty good, um, like two player too, just like head head to head. What is your take, Leland, on some of these? Do you know much about Team Fight Tactics, League of uh, or League of Legends, Riot Games, um, Auto Chess, sort of virtual board game they created? No, what is this? I've never heard of this. So Teamfight Tactics is a game they just put out. It, it kind of, to me, feels like it bridges um, a gap between like a miniatures board game mixed with sort of like a... Um, what's that really famous online card game? Not Magic the Gathering, but there's the other one. Hearthstone? Hearthstone. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's almost like a card game where you're building this team on a board and you recruit these guys through this kind of like gambling process and you you build a team comp and all these different team comps have different power-ups and then you set them on the board and you don't know who you're going to play against you're in an eight-person tournament and then Mm -hmm. it pairs you with someone and based on your setups you know your army fights their army and it auto plays out in front of you and then one person wins the battle and wins certain amount of points and someone loses points until you're eliminated so it's kind of this crossover it's like a virtual yeah i was just curious if you'd heard about it that's interesting. That's what team fight tactics. That's team team fight tactics. I think you might like. You might want to check it out. It's a yeah, it's I'm a riot game. It's new as of last year because riots branching out. They're they're trying to create a game for basically every genre. They're doing an MMORPG. Yeah, yeah. They did Valorant the shooter. They have the MOBA League of Legends. They did this team fight tactics, which is sort of a new game in itself. So yeah, I'd be curious. You might want to check it Sounds out. Sounds cool. Free. Awesome. Well, that. Uh... That's pretty damn funny, actually. A lot of laughs. I'm gonna definitely re-listen to that segment and go through the old drinking games. That was that was hilarious. 
But uh, what do you think, boys? Wrap this up into show stuff there, Leland? Yeah, let's do into uh, show first, stuff. Oh, f- yeah. First, though, we should let, uh, yeah, Chris, do you have any uh, Twitch, any sort of website thing you want to uh, uh, plug at all? Or No, I'm, I'm a ghost online now. Nothing to plug, boys. Right. You keep having this new Smurf account every time I'm on Steam. It's like, you know, Nocha baby, baby girly or some <laughs> shit. And then it, it suddenly gets to, like, level 100. So... <laughs> you gotta make a new account <laughs> once you get 100 you gotta start over right like <laughs> that's right you got a prestige all right well yeah thanks for coming on because it was awesome uh it was like i guess it was kind of last minute too it was literally like last week like hey moby <laughs> moby reached out and was like come on up. come on the show yeah, Why it was the fun. It was good i've listened to you guys uh periodically through over the years it was kind of fun to jump on and that is the sure. highest compliment this show's ever received <laughs> <laughs> By the way, feel free to donate to our Patreon on the video. <laughs> Do you guys want to now plug your Patreon? Obviously, that was the segue. <laughs> yeah. Chris, you can find our Patreon. <laughs> oh That's why you God. asked for my credit card info at the beginning? <laughs> it's just to hold. It's for security reasons. Yeah, it's, for, it's for identity. So much. It's for identity verification. That's that's all. That's all. It's for. <laughs> okay. End of show stuff. Our website ttpopcast.com will have all our show notes for uh, shows of written content. What else is on there? I guess that's it, right? <laughs> you can listen to it on the website. You can what else? Is, yeah. What yeah. else I is on the website? I usually go to the website to listen. Um, listen. Articles from like 2017. Yeah, <laughs> they're very current. <laughs> We're on Instagram, Facebook page, uh, the TN Podcast, TT Podcast is Instagram. And I, I guess that's it. I've been Leland Steele. I've been Moby. I've been Chris. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.